0: Well, as you take your seats, I invite you to open up God's Word to Proverbs chapter 1. Let me just say that I'm thankful for the opportunity to preach with Pastor Lee gone. It's always an honor. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. So I'll begin reading with verse 1, and then we'll pray. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and let the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit, who helps us to understand you and who who you are and what you've done for us and how we should live. Lord, we come to you confessing that we need wisdom, and so we pray that by the power of your spirit, you will send us on that path this morning. Would you give us understanding, give us knowledge, give us wisdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a little kid, my dad would always put me to bed. That's just how it worked out. So he would usually take me in my room, he would lay me down, and then he would stay in there for a few minutes afterwards. And so sometimes we would talk, sometimes he would tell me stories, sometimes we would just get to messing around, and I would be laughing and getting all wound back up, and then you would hear from the other side of the house, it's time for bed. My mom telling us to be quiet and actually go to bed. But he always, he always told me stories, and one of the stories that I remember is the story of Solomon. I don't know why he told me this story. I don't know why it stuck with me out of all the other things that we would have talked about. But he told me that Solomon asked God for wisdom, And God gave it to him and blessed him for it. And so I learned at a young age we need wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. Ever since then, I've been fascinated by wisdom, but I learned something as I got older. I'll give you an example. I went to, right before I went to high school, I had been playing soccer with all my friends, and then I decided, well, maybe I want to play football instead. Well, to me, it was like, well, if I make the wrong decision, I lose all my friends. What if I get hurt playing football? It was this massive decision that I had to make. And so I said, oh, I remember, I need wisdom. So then I go over to my Bible in my room one night, plop the thing open, start reading, and Israel is being judged, and -and so-and-so is going to war with so-and-so. And so so I'm thinking, well, if football is Israel and soccer is... And it's like... (laughs) Well, then how do I know which one? Apparently, that's not how wisdom works. (laughs) So I had to learn, sometimes we know that we need wisdom, we don't really know what it looks like. We don't really know how to get it. Obviously, that example is an exaggeration, but it gets the point across. And so, God provides us basically a blueprint for wisdom. And this is called the prologue to Proverbs, the introduction to Proverbs. And so God gives a blueprint to wisdom. He's given us the basics to start walking on the path to wise living. So in Proverbs 1 through 7 here, God teaches us that wisdom begins with an all-consuming fear of God, that wisdom ends in being an ambassador for Christ and his kingdom, and that wisdom comes as you cleverly and humbly walk with Christ in perseverance. So first, wisdom begins with an all-consuming fear of God. God is showing us the necessity of fearing Him. And so we go to the last verse that we read, but we're going to start there, because it says in verse 7, if you'll look there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom, and instruction. This is written, it's kind of like one, it's basically one big long sentence. You can think of it as like a poem, maybe. So verse 1, it says, well, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. They've been compiled because he was the wise king. And then 2 through 6 are saying to know wisdom and instruction, to receive instruction, to give prudence. And these are for all of our grammar people, infinitives, and so it's saying the Proverbs or Solomon are written in order to help us to know wisdom, in order to help us to receive instruction. You get the idea. And then you skip down to verse 7, and this is the motto. Proverbs says, this is where you got to start. The beginning is the fear of the Lord. It's not what you begin with and then leave behind. It's more like the first And controlling principle is this is the foundation, and without this, you can't have wisdom. And so you have to start here, and you don't leave here, but you build on top of here. You build on top of the fear of the Lord. So what's the nature of fearing God? What's it like? The fear of the Lord is to be consumed in worshipful submission to the personal God of the covenant, who provides the redemption of his people. It's a long definition, but it gets to the heart of the fear of the Lord because it starts with to be consumed, to be consumed in worshipful submission. To be consumed with the fear of the Lord is to be absolutely enthralled by God, to be captivated by Him, to be fascinated with God. Back in college, I worked at a summer camp, and it was in the mountains up near Brevard in North Carolina. It was a beautiful place, and so there's mountains all around, but there was one relatively level spot that they had cleared. It was basically like a football field, just a big field, but all around it were trees, and behind the trees were all these mountains. And so one day, we had all the kids out there, and everybody's playing, and just one of those afternoon storms in the mountains came, and it was just like the sunset, and it was dark in the middle of the afternoon, out of nowhere, And so, you know, it gets dark, and everybody's like, it might storm. This doesn't look good. And then you hear the thunder rolling through the mountains, and it gets closer, and you start to almost feel the mountains shake. So at that point, we're thinking, okay, we got to start wrapping things up. And then it was just out of nowhere. You look up, and there was these massive clouds just swirling, just swirling on top of the field. And it wasn't like, You know, the small little clouds moving fast. I mean, they were just massive, slowly swirling. And it was like somebody hit pause on life. I mean, everybody, kids, counselors, directors, everybody just stopped and looked up. And finally, one of the counselors said, y'all, our God made that. And it was just like, whoa. You could feel... The power in the air. It was terrifying. But at the same time, all I could think was, I want to know that power. I want to know him. I want to know what that's like. It, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, for me, maybe I'm just weird, but if you put me somewhere and there's a massive cliff and you see it's just down for hundreds of feet and you think, if I fall off of that, I will die. There is no chance I'm going to live. But also at the same time, something in me is like, you got to get as close as you can. You got to see over it. You got to see how far down it goes. The fear of the Lord is kind of like that. It's like, that's terrifying. He's so powerful, so holy, so perfect. But something is pulling me towards it. I just have to know. I have to know him. He's my creator. I have to know it. You see, when you think about fear, you can ask my friends that come up for the children's message. You think about fear, we think of the fear of the monsters under the bed. I've mentioned this before. And that kind of fear, it paralyzes us. We're stuck. It's like, pull the covers up and don't move. But the fear of the Lord, it's a mobilizing fear. It's like, I feel this reverence and this awe, but I want to walk towards it. I want to know more of it. I want to get lost in the wonder of it. And even I want to be a part of it. Because God, who is worthy to be feared, is the personal God, the personal God of the covenant who brings a people to himself. And so he moves us into that people of God as we fear him. He wants to have a relationship with his people he wants to unite a people to himself in an unbreakable covenant where you're never lost never alone you never don't have the resources for something you never have to truly be afraid of something because who's greater god is who am i going to fear i'm going to fear god over whatever's happening in my life and it's bound by a covenant made in the blood of Jesus Christ, who willingly came, offered Himself as a sacrifice for our sins, died the death that we deserve to die, did that in our place, all because Father, Son, and Spirit wanted a people. We don't deserve it. We say, how can me, on the grand scheme of the universe... A tiny human being, fallen, sinful, not deserving of eternal life. How can I respond to this? I want to know that power. I want to experience that good and mobilizing fear. How can I get there? Well, Jesus provided the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then not only does he say it, he goes and accomplishes it. He goes and does it. He says, no one can come except through me. Now here I am laying my life down for God's people. So that they can be brought in to be this people of God. So let's come to this God. Let's run to him. Repent, turn away from our sins and run to The God who is the all-powerful, mighty God of the universe who provides salvation for His people. And then, if you don't, if you neglect the fear of the Lord, Proverbs says, then you are a fool. Look again at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Who despises and turns away from their own creator who made them, then sacrificed his own son to be able to redeem them, bring them back to himself. Who turns away from that? The fool. Who rejects wisdom and direction or instruction in verse 2? Who walks away from what is right and what is just? And what is fair? Verse 3. Who rejects knowledge and prudence or cleverness? Verse 5. It's the fool. It's the fool. Look over at John 3.19. As you turn to John 3.19, we see this played out. Where he starts and he says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It's foolish to love the darkness more than the light. It's foolish to remain in the dark, not knowing the ways of righteousness and goodness. You see, the light shows us the way to go. The light leads us to wisdom. The light leads us to our God. But the darkness, we're lost. And so sometimes, what do we talk about? We, I just got to know who I am. I'm trying to find my identity. I'm trying to figure out who I really am. The problem is, if we're doing those things outside of trusting in God, if we're doing those things outside of the fear of the Lord, then we're walking in the dark. So if you're walking in the dark trying to figure out who you are and how you're supposed to live and what you should do, how are you going to find it without the light? You're lost and confused, which is why we feel lost and confused a lot of the time because we don't start with the foundation. The foundation has to be, I fear the Lord my God through Jesus Christ. And so everything that I do in my life is based off of that relationship where I am submitted to my God And when I'm submitted to my God, then I'm able to see the light. And the light leads me on my path through wisdom, because that's where Jesus is. So we have to come to God and know God, and then he leads us to the light. But if we reject the light and continue walking in darkness, Proverbs says, we're a fool because we're despising wisdom and instruction. Wisdom and instruction, excuse me. We're despising the one thing that tells us the answers that we need. It doesn't make sense. And that's the reality of sin. It doesn't make sense. Our God makes sense. So the writer of Proverbs says, stop here. Before you go any further, fear the Lord. Don't go any further without coming to the light of Christ and letting him Lighten your path, letting him show you the way to go, letting him show you the right ways and the good paths, because he wants what be- wants what's best for you. And so through fearing him, he offers wisdom. And so if we see that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, then what does it end with? Wisdom ends in being an ambassador for Christ and his kingdom. Let's, let's look at how we get there. See, the nature of wisdom in the Proverbs in the Bible is that it shows itself in extremely practical actions. You can call it like skills for life. There's Bible verses that mention wisdom in building the tabernacle and knowing how to construct the tabernacle. There's wisdom and understanding mentioned in verses about um, strategy and skill and... um, dealing with other people, interactions and planning, wisdom is for all of life. And so just knowing good stuff, just knowing Bible information isn't enough. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is knowing and applying. Wisdom is knowing and living. Wisdom is applying who God is to living your life. Wisdom is applying who God is in every area of your life. It's all of life. And so we see, well, how do we get there? Look at verse 3. Back in Proverbs 1, let's look at verse 3. It says, to receive instruction in wise dealing. Okay, so wise dealing is wise, what, actions. In righteousness, justice, and equity. These things aren't just good principles to consider, but they're actually what wisdom leads you to do. And so, some translations, it means the same thing either way, but some translations will put in to receive instruction in wise dealing, so to do what is right, so to do what is just, so to do what is fair. And so, this wisdom involves doing, involves applying what we know. And to do what is right and just and fair. Means that we must be interacting with and actively loving our neighbors around us. How else do we do what is right and just and fair if we're not loving God through the fear of Him and loving our neighbor? You see, there's a theologian named Michael V. Fox, and he says that wisdom produces social virtues, the underpinnings of society. This is a, it's a, what upholds a right society as righteousness justice and equity communal virtues and so when we live these out together as a corporate body then wisdom becomes a light a beacon of light to the world okay so flip back to deuteronomy see it just so happens that this is what god is doing this is what god is doing in the world through his kingdom We have to, I know I'm connecting some dots here, but let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 9. This is Moses speaking. He's commanding obedience, giving the law. He says, See, I have taught you statutes and rules that the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering and take possession of it. Keep them and do them For that will be your wisdom and your understanding where in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous is all this law that I set before you today. Let's stop there. Did you get that? What nation has a God so near to it? The personal God of the covenant, who is himself righteous, just, and fair, and then creates a people, remember he's the covenant God who redeems his people, creates a people who are to follow him in his ways which are righteous and just and fair. You see, the, our wisdom and our understanding is otherworldly because it comes from our God above. And so it's different, different than the wisdom of the world, like Paul will talk about in the New Testament. And when people see what God is doing, it becomes a beacon of light to the world. They say, Who is that God? What makes those people wise? What gives them understanding? It's their relationship with God. What kind of people are so near to their God that they start to become like Him as we're sanctified, as we're made like Christ? It's a beacon of light to the world. And it's not just the Old Testament. Isaiah 9, 7. It's what God is doing in the past, in the present, and in the future. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase in his government of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, the kingdom of Christ is a kingdom of justice justice. And righteousness. A kingdom of peace. And when you come to Christ, you're made a part of that kingdom. And when you fear the Lord, then you're walking the first steps to wisdom. And as you walk in wisdom, you are made like Christ, who is himself righteous and just and fair. And then you become part of God's people, and God's people shine as a light in the world, saying, look at our God. Look at who He is. And God says, the zeal of the Lord will do this. The Lord will accomplish it. His kingdom will come. His kingdom, His will, will be done. And so as you are pursuing wisdom, as you are living this life, you are becoming a part of God's kingdom. God uses means. He uses His people to bring other people into his kingdom he uses his people to do what is right and just and fair and so again remember we feel lost we feel like what am i here to do what is my purpose on this earth well as you pursue wisdom god is using you in his kingdom on this earth and that is a beautiful thing it's also comforting because he's going to do it the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's going to do it. And that's what you get to be a part of as you pursue wisdom through the fear of the Lord. You're to be a, a servant and a partner in God's everlasting kingdom. And so we know wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom ends in being an ambassador for Christ's kingdom. How do we get there? What do we need to do? What steps do we take? Well, wisdom comes as you cleverly and humbly walk with Christ in perseverance. Wisdom comes as you cleverly and humbly walk with Christ in perseverance. Proverbs tells us, if you keep reading in Proverbs, that there are dangers. Dangers come as you pursue the path of wisdom. Externally, outside, there are temptations to go after sex and money and pride. Proverbs 9 makes a character that uh, that they call Lady Folly. Chapter 9 says... Lady, Lady Folly is standing in the streets and she's calling. She's calling to all the, the naive. She's calling to all those who aren't wise. And she's saying, come in. I'll give you choice food. I'll give you banquets and parties. She says, come in and I'll give you the power and the influence you really need. She says, come in. I'll give you success and power. And you won't even have to fight your sin. Come in. So if we're going to continue to follow what Proverbs chapter 8 calls Lady Wisdom, the wisdom who is calling in the streets and says, find true life, find true hope, find true peace. Come this way. If we're going to keep following Lady Wisdom, we need cleverness. Let's read verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And so this word, Prudence, we hear prudence and think of, like, the old lady down the street. She's kind of a prude, you know? That's not exactly what it's getting at. And so it's uh, it's the same word that is used in the, of the serpent in chapter 3 of Genesis. It says the serpent was cunning or crafty. And so obviously the serpent used his cunningness and craftiness for evil. But this is the same word that God says... We are to use it for good. And so we need this cleverness because, one commentator says, it's intelligence of the most practical sort. It's an alertness to potential deceptions and seductions. And it's an indispensable tool for the safe, satisfying, and ethical God-pleasing life. You see, wisdom, when you pursue wisdom, it gives you the cleverness that you need to not only notice temptation... And avoid it, but to see it coming, to see this will be a potentially tempting situation and I need to go a different direction. It's the kind of cleverness that sees and recognizes and can turn away. And then there's the ever-present internal danger. See, as a fallen human being, we naturally walk to the darkness, away from the light. That's what John 3 told us. But even when we come to Christ, when we come to Christ, we have come to the light. But I think if we're honest, we all know there's that darkness still inside of us. It's still there. We're fighting against it. We're trying to put to death those sins. But this leftover darkness wants to convince us to follow the way of foolishness. To reject the ways of God. Wisdom is found in a God-centered Way of seeing life. So, to fear Yahweh, to live in the fear of God, we have to overcome all those old habits, all those old ways of thinking that say, I can't really trust God, that say, I need to go my own way, that say, submitting to anything or anyone is bad for me. Submitting to God is the best thing that we could ever do because He is our That's what we're fighting against. And so to fight against those things, we need humility. It takes humility to be humble and open, to turn to God. And this humility comes through training. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing. This instruction is both information on how to live and discipline. The discipline that puts us back on the right track. The discipline that says, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit and I need to go a different direction. I need to confess my sins. We need humility to follow that leading of the Spirit. And look at verse 23. We're stepping outside a little bit. One twenty-three says, If you return at my reproof, like discipline, behold, I will pour out my Spirit to you. And I will make my words known to you. See, God's discipline directs us on the right path. It's training for humility, it's training to lead us in the path of doing what is right and just and fair, in the path to give the knowledge of God and relationship with God and everlasting life with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we want to run from it. We want to run from humility. We want to run from discipline because we don't want to be wrong. I'm always afraid, well, if I admit that I'm wrong, then people know that I'm not good enough. People know that I'm not perfect. I want to look like I have it all together. When I don't, it's impossible to be perfect in this life, to have it all together. It's impossible. And so how do we be open to instruction? How do we be humble to discipline? Remember that Christ is enough. No, you're not perfect. No, I'm not perfect. But you know who is? Jesus. And who am I trusting in? Am I trusting in me? Or am I trusting in Jesus? Hopefully, it's Jesus. Because he will always be enough. And when I'm resting in the fact that he is enough, then I don't have to hide all these, oh, I'm not really good at this. Oh, I dropped the ball on this. I made a mistake. And I need to be corrected. I need to be put on the right path. And it's for my good. Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father of the son in whom he delights. It's a good thing to be disciplined. And so finally, the path to wisdom is a walk of perseverance. Verse 6, To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Wisdom is difficult. At times it's hard to find. It says it right there in the introduction. It says the words of the wise and their riddles. They're hard to understand. They're a riddle. You've got to think about it. But God does this for a reason. He wants our minds to be engaged with him. He wants us to truly know him. And to truly know Him, then we have to use our body and our mind and all the faculties that God gave us and apply them to knowing our God and our Creator. He wants us to engage with His Word through His Spirit and through the sacraments. But we're just impatient. We just want it and we want it now. We just think, if we're not doing, 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 then I'm not accomplishing anything. Sometimes God says stop striving. Be still. Know that I am God. God says meditate on my laws day and night. God says contemplate who I am. Contemplate my nature. Think of me. Pray. Dwell on me. I'm so bad. It takes time. It takes time. So remember... The path to wisdom is a walk, not a sprint. It's a walk, and we have to persevere in that walk. We have to remind ourselves. We have to pray, Spirit, make me patient. Speak when I spend time in the Word. Speak when I'm praying, when I'm at church, when I'm I'm with other believers. The ways of wisdom are there, but it takes time. It takes prayer. It takes patience. It takes perseverance. The light has been made known in the darkness. Seek and you will find. So, brothers and sisters, to follow the blueprints of wisdom, we begin by falling on our knees with an all-consuming, worshipful, mobilizing fear of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then we cleverly and humbly we go through this path as a walk with Christ in perseverance And through this, through this walk, through this fear of the Lord, the Spirit leads us to be a part of God's kingdom, to be ambassadors for His kingdom. So, my friends, are you in the darkness? Have you never seen the good ways of God? Have you never known the fear of your Creator? Then turn to Christ today. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through His Spirit, He will lead you to the Father. He will lead you in this path of wisdom. And it is a good path. It is a good walk to walk. To fear the Lord. To walk with Him. And to be a part of His kingdom. And Brothers and sisters, maybe you do know Christ, but you feel lost and you don't know where to turn. You've got big decisions coming. You've got big life. Life is just happening. It's everywhere. Where do I go? What do I do? Do I get married? Do I stay single? Do I go to school here? Do I go to school there? Do I change jobs? It's okay. You need wisdom. We all need wisdom. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Our God is faithful. He answers our prayers. Patiently walk with Him in the ways of wisdom. Let's pray. (sighs) Father, You are wonderful and kind, providing Your Spirit and providing wisdom and providing life in Your name. We pray, Lord, that all of us here will be brought into Your kingdom and walk the path of wisdom. Will You show Yourself to us Because when we see you, we will fear you. When we truly see you, we will want to know you. And when we know you, we will want to walk with you. So Lord, we pray that you will glorify your name and that you will do these things in the name of Christ. Amen.